You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal. Alongside me, as always, my good friend, brother, and the guy that runs our Twitter, Liam. They call me, they call me old Twitter Liam. Old Twitter Liam. Liam, Please welcome. don't call me that. <laughs> don't ever call him that. Only to, only to his Twitter face. Please. <laughs> uh, Liam, welcome to episode, what are we on now, 12? This would be 12, yeah. 12 of the DCAU review. Uh, we're jumping around a little bit. Uh, we've kind of gone through chronologically through Batman the Animated Series, uh, up through our 10th episode. 11th episode, our last episode was on Last Son of Krypton. We kind of switched gears, uh, started looking at some of the Superman animated series. Uh, we're staying in the Superman animated series universe here, but we figured we'd jump around a little bit. Uh, some of those early Superman episodes are a little... Uh, I don't know. They have a sore spot, I think, in my in my memory banks from seeing them so many times, <laughs> I think. Uh, so we decided to do some themed episodes instead of uh, just following those episodes one by one. Uh, so we're going to start today. We're doing a Metallo-themed episode, uh, or Kryptonite, or Lex Luthor. I think you can kind of classify it uh, either one of those three. Uh, but uh, we have two episodes we're discussing today, and uh, super excited about it. Why don't you tell our audience what episodes they are? So uh, our first episode we're going to be talking about today is Little Piece of Home. Uh, It is the fifth episode, if you count uh, Last Son of Krypton as three parts. Uh, First Kryptonite episode you introduced there, and then we moved on to The Way of All Flesh, which of course is the first Metallo episode. Um, Both heavily feature Lex Luthor, both obviously centered around Kryptonite as a whole, and uh, finding a way to make that interesting and not sort of just a repeated gag like right. Superman just... Which, uh, if, you read, if you've ever read any of the Golden or Silver Age comics, even the Bronze Age, it's sort of a tired, you know, they had, by the time, what was it, by the time the Silver Age ended, they had 12 to 15 different colors of kryptonite, yeah. that, and they, they kind of introduced and used some of that in Smallville mm-hmm. uh, on the TV show, which I know we both, you know, you're a bigger fan of Smallville than I am, it holds a little near and dear to your heart than, yeah. than me, seeing as how you've also met the stars. Of, have we talked about that? Liam. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. Yes, I uh, I paid money uh, to go to Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. this year, uh, and I got to meet Michael Rosenbaum, who listeners may know as The Flash. Oh, yes, The Flash. Or Ghoul from Batman Beyond for yes. a deeper cut. Oh. Um, but uh, Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling, the uh, the stars of Smallville. I Clark to, Kent and Superman, uh, or uh, yeah. Clark Kent and Lex Luthor, respectively. Yeah. So I uh, that was that was awesome, and I uh, got to you know shake their hands and say hello and get a picture with them. Um, so uh, yes, Smallville Smallville means a great deal to me, uh, obviously. So Kryptonite was, I mean, they used that kind of as a different plot device. I know they had the red Kryptonite, and they used, you know, did they use purple too or something I think like there that? There was a purple. They were def- they definitely used blue at some point. Yeah, and, so they uh, they sort of incorporated some of those older comic elements into that show. Superman the animated series itself kind of just sticks with the green Kryptonite. Uh, we don't get the different rainbow variety. Uh, uh, but it's, in, it's interesting in this first episode, A Little Piece of Home, uh, the way that it's sort of introduced, uh, the, the plot is that Lex Luthor has this rock in a 
in a museum that he uses to shelter tax uh, for ta- <laughs> shelter money for tax purposes, which you talk about adult themes in a child's yeah. cartoon. Man, sheltering your money from for tax purposes, <laughs> hiding it in a uh, in a nonprofit museum is that's a that's a deep dive yeah, into a talking child's about cartoon. like shell companies and <laughs> dummy corporations and yes. Oh, Batman was Batman definitely was no stranger to those. That's for sure. So I guess sure. it's just continuing in the tradition. You know, you had uh, definitely some references to those dummy corporations in various episodes with the mob and, and mafia. Oh, sure. You think guys like Daggett or right. even Rupert Thorne or certainly people like that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a recurring theme. The evil businessman, the the guy who's not on the up and up, um, is certainly not a no stranger to that in the DCAU. And so this first episode, a little place of home. Speaking of that, not on the up and ups, features a lot of Lex Luthor in the episode. So why don't we jump right into the plot? Uh, actually, Liam, why don't you remind our listeners at home, just in case this is their first time listening to an episode, what's our uh, four categories that we break down and, and give criteria for each episode of the DCAU? Absolutely. So our four main categories are plot, uh, animation. We've sort of expanded that into, you, if you want to call it visuals instead, you could, because we we're going to talk about backgrounds and character design. And We talked a little bit last episode about how Superman's uh, animation style is much more streamlined mm-hmm. than the original Batman, the animated series. So it's a little harder to kind of judge because it's not, not supposed to be as realism, yeah. uh, it, centered in realism, I guess. Uh, so I, I think adding that visual component uh, definitely allows us for, for a little bit m- more understanding. Yeah, it's a, it's visual. It's so. Uh, all-purpose visuals category. We may still refer to it as animation just out of habit, but we're kind of mean just visuals as a whole. Uh, We also, of course, talk about music, and uh, voice acting is the last category. Each category we rank from 0 to 10. I don't think we've ever given a 0, but... um, Came close with the (laughs) underdogs. Came real close. Yeah, but uh, so uh, so basically our our final score will be blank out of 40. We can also, uh, occasionally we will add in a bonus point or two if if there's something that isn't uh, covered in those main four categories and we just feel we need to give it a a special shout out or, or an extra point, something that's not covered, but... Yeah, those are our four main categories. So let's jump right into plot. Yeah, what did you what did you think of a little? We'll start with a little piece of home, and then we'll jump uh, later on. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the the second episode, but a little piece of home. I, th- I thought the plot is very uh, it's very for what they're doing. It was it was a fun episode. Um, you have you know they're introducing Kryptonite. Uh, you're giving Lex Luthor a little bit of uh, depth in his character, uh, revealing you know he's not. Clearly not on the up and up. He does a lot of dealings uh, after he finds out that he's in possession of this meteor that affects Superman, uh, his health. You, you see his influence in you know his science laboratory with the scientists that he works with, and yeah. clearly only interested in what can I get out of this that in which I can sort of control Superman. Um, and uh, you know there's some, there's some nice di- dynamic back and forth between him and and Mercy, who I. I commented as we were watching it, dressed as a chauffeur, twenty four seven. Like only, I think there's a scene later on in the in the world's finest episode where she's in Lex's bedroom, like while he's sleeping. Maybe she's supposed to be dressed as a bodyguard. Regardless, she's also a chauffeur. Right. She's also dressed as a chauffeur in that episode where she like tries to protect Lex. From yes, my rec- from my she, recollection, uh, she's always in like a like a short leather dress and a. And a chauffeur's cap. For, for whatever that is. C- yeah. Completely not out of place in a, in a gentleman's <laughs> business office, I guess. Right. You know. 
But, uh, you know, so you get some dynamic between Lex and, and Mercy. You get some dynamic between, uh, you know, Lex and, and the scientists. But it really fleshes out Lex as this guy who is sort of a puppet master. He's He's got one goal. It's to control Metropolis. It's to maintain the power that he has. Um, and it's, uh, it's done in a, in a cool, I mean, a fun way. Um, the episode itself is cool. There's a giant dinosaur robot that Superman has to fight yeah. at the end, which, you know, going back to the, the Jack Sprang days of Batman in the, Dick Sprang, sorry, Dick Sprang back in the, in the 1950s and forties. And, and with those giant sight gags, it's, it's, it's a cool visual. Like Superman, who doesn't mm-hmm. want to see Superman fight a Tyrannosaurus Rex robot? So yeah, it's very. It feels very Fleischery. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, and it makes for as you mentioned just something interesting to see a, a man quite literally grapple with a with a T Rex. It's, <laughs> it's very. It's it's something that again would only really work with a character like Superman or Certainly. you know one of those sort of you know super powerful characters. You couldn't really do that. With with a Batman or a Spider-Man or something. Although somebody. Batman does grapple with those giant crocodiles in the Underdwellers oh, episode. Don't forget. Please stop reminding me of that episode. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. But yeah, for, uh, so we, for plot... We need to have an Underdwellers jar. Every time it's mentioned, we put a dollar in. Yeah. Right? We'll, uh, we'll introduce that. We gotta have like a sound effect. Like right. Some sort of uh, loud alarm that goes <laughs> off. Underdwellers alarm. Uh, but yeah, so for plot here, I went, I went 8 out of 10. Uh, it's really strong, as you mentioned. It's it pretty much uh, pretty heavily focuses on Luthor, sort of grappling with trying to figure out how he can still run his criminal empire in a world with a Superman. He finds a way to get an advantage on him, and then uh, offers him a deal to just walk away. And of course, Superman doesn't take that deal, and so he very uh, matter-of-factly decides he's just going to kill him, and how else would you kill him but, you know, <laughs> stick a giant dinosaur on him, so... Right, exactly. Why not? But, uh, yeah, I thought it was it was really, really excellent uh, development for who Lex Luthor is. He's not the traditional mustache-twirling villain. He's not just a mad scientist. Uh, he's not a, a maniac. He's he's very calm and collected throughout most of this. Absolutely. You uh, you pointed out actually uh, before we went on the air that um, you know you're he doesn't he doesn't get assigned like an evil villain laugh. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get like you know he's he's not over the top Skeletor you know, evil villain. He's very understated and that, that comes a lot with the performance. We can talk about it in voice acting, but yeah. the performance that Clancy Brown gives as Lex Luthor gives you a, a lot to say. He's, he doesn't need to be over the top. He doesn't need to be goofy. I know a lot, a lot of people's, uh, one of their uh, main critical points for Batman v Superman was Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex Luthor was just so off the wall yeah. And dis- t- distracting to a point. I didn't. I didn't hate it as much as everybody else seemed to. Um, but I. I see it. Like when you have a guy sure. like Clancy Brown who's there, he's menacing without being goofy. You know, mm. he's, he doesn't draw attention to the fact that he's insane. He's pro- He's more than likely in, an insane manipulator. Yes, uh, it's, it's very much. It's very. Uh, this is how it's going to be. This is the way the world works. This is the way I control my world. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. And, it's, yeah, so he's not, you know, there's not a lot of big bug-eyed, uh, you know, he doesn't fly off in, in rage too often. He doesn't, as you mentioned, he doesn't laugh crazily either. He, uh, 
yeah, it's it's a completely different category, and one that obviously really carried over into his portrayal in the comics. This is a pretty good example, I think, of how these shows influenced the things that they were originally influenced by, as far as the source material goes. And yeah. I think obviously, you know, later on they did, uh, you know, storylines where Lex Luthor becomes president in the comics, which then in turn was turned into a storyline for for Justice League down the road. So. Yeah. You see the way you know these two things, the uh, you know the comics and these cartoons have a very symbiotic relationship. Absolutely, of, of influence each other. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I gave my score for the plot. Plot. I, I think because of taking something, uh, an episode that's designed just about introducing a rock, yeah. uh, a radiation-filled rock, um, they made it fun. I, you know, we looked over at the end of it. There's uh, the chase scene uh, in the middle of the episode with the you know where Lex introduces Kryptonite to Superman. It's a heist scene uh, that takes place with Rocket, you know, ba- backpack. Uh, rocket backpacks and you know crazy weapons and stuff. It's yeah. it's a fun episode. Because of that, I give it a seven out of ten. All right, well, let's move on to uh, let's talk animations and visuals, Liam. Um, so this episode, uh, as as I just mentioned, the chase scene really stood out to me as a fun fun one for animation. Um, the flight, uh, you know, around the city uh, was great. I think there's, uh, you know, there's weapons being fired while, while they're flying. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good, uh, there's some cool visuals in it. Um, I think I'm still just starting to get used to the idea that criminals in Metropolis don't wait for nighttime to do <laughs> any criminal activity. It's, it's broad daylight and they're out there doing heists yeah. and stealing diamonds from, <laughs> stealing diamonds from museums and, you know, stealing whatever that, what was it? A, it was a, a, uh, something that, that they used to make the dollar bill, like a minting, minting block or something yes. like that. Uh, so they're stealing that, like, all in broad daylight. So there's no nighttime in Metropolis, no, apparently. Which, uh, as I think we mentioned in Last Time Krypton, could uh, be a detriment to the visuals. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as we mentioned sometimes in, in, in some of the early Batman episodes, the more light there is, sometimes the less good things look. So sure. you have to add a little more detail. And Metropolis needs to feel, as you mentioned, it's not just blue sky and they're sort of flying in a straight line they're weaving through the city and through the buildings and yeah. through the clouds they uh they really make the city i think feel alive in a way that uh maybe they they didn't maybe they maybe you know it could also be a timing issue because the animation style was different more focus was put on the individual character yeah in uh, in the original batman but uh, certainly they were able to really make metropolis and as you mentioned a lot of the set pieces the museum at night is there's a lot of you know a lot of detail in in those backgrounds and uh, and everything. So they they do a very good job of uh, making it feel like it's you know you're you're watching a guy fly through the city and it's not just you know two drawings moving across a, a sort of painted background. Absolutely, yeah. The um and I, I felt the the dinosaur scene in particular. I mean that was. was can't imagine that's a very easy thing to animate yeah you don't have a lot of visual evidence or reference points of, of how a dinosaur moves or whatever so it's really off the cuff and um you know because of that gave it a seven good animation uh you know good spots nothing that truly blew me away but that that dinosaur scene the robot dinosaur scene is really 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 good yeah absolutely i would i would i would uh i also gave it a seven out of ten we're on the same wavelength there uh 
Um, it, yeah, it's it's really solid. There's uh, some really nice hashtag Kate movement in the mm. uh, in the chase scene. Now we're talking. And uh, and uh, so I yeah I really like and the the way uh, Lois she does like a basketball jump shot to that throw the cool. kryptonite into the uh, into the lead uh, cup to save Superman at the end. Some good foreshadowing in the scene where she's in the office too, doing it into the wastebasket. Yes. That was, uh, uh, so yeah, that was, that's that's a nice little bit, and uh, another, another little bit we can go back to plot, I guess, a little bit. But uh, that uh, Lois saves Superman this time. Ah, yeah. He doesn't. Uh, it's she's as as we mentioned in in uh, in our episode on Last Son of Krypton. She is not the the damsel or Superman's girlfriend who just constantly gets in over her head and has to be rescued. She's she's a strong character. Yes, uh, yeah. She's not the damsel in distress that that needs rescuing every single episode. I think there's a lot of episodes where she does <laughs> ultimately, but in, I think you're right. In this episode, it was it's cool to see that dynamic change where uh, he saves her, and we'll actually see that going forward in the next episode as well. Um, all right, uh, moving on to music. Um, Music was better this episode. We we talked a little bit about it before going on the air that you know it was maybe that first episode because of the production time or the way things were done. Uh, they relied so heavily on the the Superman theme, the main yeah. theme. We talked about that, and that was kind of kind of a drawback a little bit. It was something detrimental. We thought it's a good theme, it's a great theme, but it was just. Every scene was punctuated with it in Last Son of Krypton. Here, you have a couple new themes that are introduced. You have a Lex Luthor theme that is introduced. Um, you had uh, some uh, some good music in the dinosaur fight scene at the end. And then there was a, uh, the chase scene. Also, you mentioned, yes. you pointed that out first. You're like, hey, this is new. Like, there's It's like a 1940s, like... It's really jazzy. Yeah. It feels very much like it's a heist going on, so it... It fits pretty appropriately, but as Superman sort of chasing down these these jetpack thieves, and he's you know fighting a guy with a flamethrower, and then a guy who has these this like cool rope gun, and yeah. it sort of builds to his this confrontation with uh, this final uh, thug, um, uh, where where the kryptonite is again introduced to him directly. But yeah, so that the chase scene, especially as you mentioned, the scene where Lex Luthor is sort of basically without again without saying those words directly is telling mercy to go kill this doctor <laughs> um starts talking about what a you know what a dangerous place metropolis can be at night and all this stuff and uh they um they managed to uh again the lex theme is very understated much like as we mentioned mm-hmm. his uh his character is it's very subtle very sneaky very, uh, you know, it sounds like there's a flute or something, and then mm. I'm not going to be in here diagnosing what what <laughs> instruments are used, but it is very, very. It's calming, but it's sin- it's like sinister. I think is probably yes, a good word for that's, it. That's yeah. That's you can right. tell it's 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 uh, it's not over the top. It's not bang you over the head with the intensity of it, like the Superman theme. But at the same time, you have you know you can tell it's there, and it punctuates the scene. Yeah, and then of course the the dinosaur sequence at the end. Also has a pretty strong soundtrack of building from sort of the dread of Superman's in real bad shape to when the kryptonite is finally removed and he rips the jaw off of it. Which uh, cool I know, I know, I know they've mentioned Bruce Tim and others have mentioned that they love anytime they get to use robots. <laughs> they can't really show any death or dismemberment in 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 regular because it's still a children's cartoon. Right. So anytime there's a robot, the robot had to get. You know, destroyed in some horrific way, and yeah, Superman rips the jaw in half, and 
Um, so they they do a, a pretty good job. So I went ahead. I gave music eight out of ten. Oh, um, good. It's like I said. It was just uh, everything. Every time the music added a lot to it. As we mentioned, some, some episodes don't need that as much. But as as much as this was a strong plot, I think the music also informed that plot and and helped it be and and ha- helped add that emotion. Helped you feel the emotions they wanted you to feel. Agreed. I agree with you. Yeah, I gave it a, I don't know if I said my score already, but it gave it a 7 out of 10 as well. We got, um, for all those reasons that we just, we just covered, it's good. It's good to hear some, some variety in the music and to kind of introduce, um, the music as an element to add to things just like it was used in Batman the Animated Series. All right, uh, headed home for this episode. We're going to wrap it up with voice acting. Uh, Liam, I gave voice acting also a 7, 7 across mm-hmm. the boards for this episode totaling my score up at 28 out of 40. Uh, Voice acting, uh, we talked about how, since this uh, animated series relies so heavily on Dana Delaney, Tim Daly, and Clancy Brown, should should a Superman episode start at a base at five yeah. with the, if those guys are, fe- are are heavily featured in an episode because it's it's kind of standard those guys are the main characters they're featured a lot they're very talented if ev- if we I think if we judged every episode based on just their performances um, and we talked about some variety in the Tim Daly performances I think so that that would maybe move it up a point or down a point regardless but Clancy Brown and Dan Delaney are just steady good yeah um now I that that's not to say we already talked a little bit about his performance in this episode. He's great. It's it's the Clancy Brown show yeah. uh, for this episode. He's relied upon. He's you know he has to communicate again that sinister type uh, behavior that he's that he uh, exhibits uh, without being over the top and corny. Um, so f- for his performance, I think uh, his was a step above normal. I think he carried this episode very well. Um, the conversation he has a conversation with Superman outside of his window again, which kind of yeah. links back to the first episode. And uh, you know he just plays that villain role so very well. He carries this episode. Uh, so seven out of ten was my score. What about you? Yeah, I went six out of ten. Uh, there's a, there's a line as you mentioned that there Superman and Lex have a confrontation and. Uh, it ends with Superman saying, "You'll never, you'll never control me," and he flies out of the room. And uh, the line is, "Well, then I guess I'll just have to kill you." Which, if you give that to a lot of actors, that is not a supremely well written line. Right. It's very simple. It's it's to the point. Uh, I'm not saying it's terrible or anything, but it's not it's not the greatest villain line I've ever heard. Agreed. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty standard. It sounds like yeah. you could. If you told me that was a line, I might guess it was a Joker line. Because yeah. <laughs> Or like I don't know, like Green Goblin in the Spider-Man cartoon or something <laughs> could say that. Like, Agree. It's very. It's just a very generic villain thing to say. Sure. I can't control you, then I shall kill you. Right. Um. But because of Clancy's delivery, it is. Uh, it it takes. It seems totally natural, and it's it's one of the better. I think better delivered lines in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I went. I went six out of ten. I think Clancy's very strong. I think Danny Delaney is, as you mentioned. You know what you expect from her. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not her strongest work, but still very good. Uh, I'm a little. I was a little down on Tim Daly in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is still very early on in the show, obviously, and as far as production goes. So uh, I think he has. He certainly has times where he'll grow. And but as far as they're trying to get him to show a few different emotions in this episode, or to yeah. say a few different emotions, if you want to speak, <laughs> uh, you know, he, yeah, from an audio perspective and. From the 
you know, there's not a ton of difference in in the way he delivers his lines from normal Superman to when he's angry and defiant against Lex. He's pretty calm and steady. Yeah. And then even and then when he's being you know, when he's dying of radiation poisoning <laughs> as the kryptonite is is there, he's still pretty uh you had a you had an interesting take on what you thought his uh his kryptonite selling he gives a little he gives a little shatner performance and in in his words being (laughs) broken (laughs) you know it's it's he's still finding his footing in that i think he does a little bit better job in the next episode yeah uh when we when we move on to that one kind of finds his feet a little bit but yeah it was a little shatner-esque yeah for sure um so like i said because of that i went i went six out of ten not tim daly's strongest episode but uh, yeah, overall, uh, I guess we can we can give our final scores here, and uh, before we move on to our next episode. But uh, yeah, so uh, my final score is uh, twenty nine out of forty. Very a very strong episode. Yeah, uh, pretty much all around. Yeah, I, I agree. Mine was twenty eight out of forty. Um, it's 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 a good episode. I also we remarked how fun it was. It's a fun episode to take something again. It's an episode about a rock, <laughs> and they made it, they made it they made it fun. Yeah, it's good. And good. I think it's it's an episode maybe you, as you mentioned you can have a more of appreciation for if you come back to it when you're a bit older. Yeah, uh, like I remember when I was little, I don't I don't like seeing uh, to use pro wrestling terms. I don't like seeing Superman sell too much <laughs> when I was younger. You know, when, when the hero is in like grave physical peril i didn't i didn't really care for that as much so i was never like a giant fan of kryptonite episodes when i was younger but it's a weird plot device that could very well easily be abused and i think that the superman is a weakling uh plot device was used a lot in the very first couple episodes i i know we skipped over the toy man episode but i know there's something in there that you have they had to make it's toy man this guy who has a giant bobblehead on his on his body a viable threat for Superman in some way. And then you have this episode. The next episode chronologically is a parasite episode where Superman gets his power zapped. Yeah. There's a lot of... There's the Red Sun episode with yeah. Lightner. It, there's a lot of Superman not having his powers in order to make him, you know, have formidable foes right. like that aren't just flicked, flicked with a flick of his finger right. and, and defeated. So I'm with you on that one. All right, so with that, uh, why don't we move on to our next episode, Liam. We're doing a double episode this week. Uh, that, of course, is the first Metallo episode, The Way of All Flesh. Uh, we talked last week about the introduction of this John Corbin character. He's a mercenary. He's uh, somebody that Lex is using uh, to bring in um, some, some materials that uh, he can't outright import or export. Uh, legally, so he uses this guy as his, you know, it's a shell type game that he's playing with this guy. Uh, so, well, actually, he uses the, uses him as a way to get the the armor to a foreign country that he couldn't do business with in that first episode. So, in this episode, we we find John Corbin, uh, and he's in prison, and all of a sudden, he's got. You know he's he's enjoying the finer things of life, and they keep re- referencing yeah. a friend that has helped him out. You know his his whole his whole cell is decked out. He's got a chandelier and a television. And he's getting the finest of foods, uh, really enjoying the finer things in life. And then he all of a sudden he starts falling over and having chest pains, and it look, it's not looking good for John Corbin. Yeah. And then in swoops his friend Lex Luthor. Uh, with this plan for him to put him in a metal body that will save him, but also coincidentally 
give him a heart of kryptonite. <laughs> the, I guess the suit itself runs off of the radiation from the kryptonite. It's, a, it's made of a what they call metallo al- alloy, uh, which is indestructible metal, according to the exposition that Luther gives early on. And uh, it runs off of, ironically, this this material that has been shown to weaken and possibly defeat Superman. So it looks like a win-win for both of them until the very end when we find out that Luthor was pulling the strings and was the one who, uh, plot twist, was the one who, who gave the, this rare virus, yeah. made uh, John Corbin contract it by putting it in his food. So you get a nice dynamic of, uh, and we can jump, jump right into plot for this. I gave the plot 9 out of 10 uh, because I think... Again, this is a great episode. It's a kind of a twist on you know your old uh, guy. Guy needs a wish, or guy guy has a wish. Maybe it's not the classic. You know, he necessarily wanted this to happen, but oh, he gets he gets this life saving thing that appears to be you know the thing that he absolutely needs, and then he finds out soon thereafter that there's a giant catch that comes with it. He can't feel, he can't smell, he can't experience what he calls pleasure, and all that that implies. Yeah, uh, he makes that pretty clear, and all that that implies. And he, you know, it's this dynamic at the beginning of the episode. He's enjoying the finer things. He's enjoying uh, life, even though he's in prison he's enjoying the the yeah. the life that he has there now he has freedom and he's invulnerable to almost anything but he can't feel or experience pleasure yeah and his his descent throughout this episode is gradual he doesn't immediately have a melodramatic tantrum about not being able to feel he he sort of notices as they're testing his strength that hey i, I can't feel anything and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not hungry anymore right and he sort of you know kind of has like a confused look and Lex is right there to put his hand on his shoulder and say the only thing you should be hungry for is power right like and it's again that that he's playing you know the angel the angel and the devil on 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 uh Corbin's shoulders and trying to keep him f- you know focused on on you know killing superman is is what you need to focus on right now and there's sort of some vague promises that th- that they'll figure out a way to you know to let him feel later or uh yeah he definitely leads he oh yeah we'll sort that all later but right now you need to be focused on killing superman yeah so they uh so it's it's gradual and sort of as as it's sort of revealed later by uh you know one of the doctors that like the when he said there needed to be adjustments made he meant uh corbin has to adjust to not being able to feel anything ever again he didn't mean that they were going to make some sort of modification to his robot suit to let him feel things or eat or whatever it's a it's a fascinating. I mean, it's it's done really well. I didn't. I this is another episode. I feel like those first eight episodes of Superman we probably saw a a lot. I feel yeah. like WB had those in the rotation pretty heavily. Um, but it, this episode, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. Um, there's some good. Well, when we get into voice acting, we'll talk about the voice acting performances. There's some good performances. Uh, but the plot story, you know, Superman he. Lex is manipulating this guy to try and and get whatever he wants in order to kill Superman. And at the, at the last second, as Superman is about to be killed, you know, Superman pulls out and, and tells him, tells him, "Oh, look here, this is the virus that you were injected with by Lex Luthor's doctor." Yeah. So he's the one that you should you should hate. And then you have the dynamic of then Metallo now hating not only the person that put him in the body, but also Superman, and he has this this equal hate between yeah. the two of them. And sort of yeah, the the slow descent from as as we said into into 
utter madness. And by the end, he's just completely lost his mind, and he's tearing off his flesh. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get into the visuals. But, uh, you know, revealing sort of... He's sort of half Corbin, half robot man now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, has fully become Metallo that, you know, that we know from, from uh, you know, his subsequent appearances on the show. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so well done. And, again, Luthor, as we mentioned in, in, in Little Piece of Home, is... He's the puppet master, mm-hmm. and, and again, it would be really easy to make that story boring yep. or repetitive. Yep. But him coming to Corbin as, "Hey, I'm your buddy here." I'm your. He calls I'm, him a friend at the beginning because right. he's the one supplying him with all this I, stuff in you jail. Know, I'm. I, I'm. I'm going to save your life because you're my friend and you helped me out back in Last Son of Krypton. You know, I've got, I'm going to help you now. Oh, and by the way, could you also kill Superman for me? Right. It just happens that this works out to my... Right. <laughs> and sort of the, the the reveal going forward, there's sort of a throwaway line by, I think, by Lois of, well, you know, Corbin could have contracted this disease anywhere because he was a mercenary. He was, you know, he wor- worked all over the world. So it's not it's not a mystery why he, you know, got came down with this virus. But of course, you know. So when that twist, uh, that swerve, if you prefer the wrestling terminology, which of course I do, <laughs> um, of the fact that Luthor himself injected Corbin with it, laced his laced his fine food right. with this with this terrible virus, so he could put him into this robot suit, is uh, is such a great twist. So yeah, I, I I don't know if I've said my score yet or not, but uh, I went I went nine out of ten. Yep. Um, it Both was nine out of ten for that one. Yeah, it was uh, just really well done and really well executed. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. It, I think it could have been a very, very easily could have been sort of a copy of of the Two Face episode. Tragedy, you feel bad, but you don't really feel bad. I mean, to a point, you do because Corbin was, uh, you know, was was tricked into this. But he's already a bad guy. It's not good yeah. to bad. He's a bad guy who gets a bad break. So it, you kind of have that internal struggle. Do I feel bad for this person that is? He's already a bad guy, so should I feel bad for him that he was duped into this, you know, by by Lex? Yeah. Or, do, or does it just increase your hatred for Lex Luthor? It's like this is a guy who doesn't care about anybody but himself. Right. And there's a the final moment of the episodes is there there's an explosion. They fall into the water. Uh, Corbin sinks, and Lex is about to be eaten by a shark. And there's it reminded me of there's the moment in Batman Begins where Batman lets Rachel Gould die. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the line is, you know, I don't have to save you or whatever, but Superman is not Batman. Yep, he's better and than so, all of us. Even though it wouldn't, he didn't, he wouldn't be responsible for killing Lex. He grabs Lex out of literally out of the jaws of uh, of the shark and 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 sits him on the pier and and flies away um, because and to me that's such a great. It's very simple. It's right at the end of the episode, but it's such a perfect Superman moment for describing who Superman is as a character. I agree, and why why he's a little different than Green Lantern or Batman or anybody else that's out there. Absolutely, he he is the best of them. He's got the yeah. he's got good in him. He's a good person. <laughs> yeah, he's a human. He's a good human being, um, despite being born on another planet. <laughs> All right, so let's jump to visuals. Uh, what did you what did you think of visuals? We kind of touched on it a second ago uh, in that final scene with the shark and, and Corbin drowning and or yeah. apparently drowning. It's revealed very close at the end that he hasn't drowned. But uh, so, what did you think of the animation and the visuals? And it was uh, yeah pretty as pretty much as close to perfect as I think you're going to get. Uh, I went eight out of ten on mine. Um, a lot of great stuff just from the uh, from when Corbin is first. 
uh, in his metal in his metallo body, uh, he stops a train to get Superman's attention, and he basically stands on the tracks and smashes into it. And you see that the, all the train cars compress and sort of break, and one of the train the end of the train starts sort of falling off the tracks. Yep. Um, we mentioned I mentioned this in Little Piece of Home, but Metropolis again feels very lived in. Yeah, I like this the idea that there's like a sky subway. Yeah, and and also again establishing the difference between Gotham City, where Gotham City is grimy and it feels like maybe it's a little poorer of a city. Definitely, it's absolutely um, poorer. It, yeah, it's it's the crime. The crime has has kind of destroyed what was once may have been a a thriving metropolis yeah. type city is now dirty and broken yeah. and grimy and and that yeah. and that's reflected by metropolis maybe is a bit more gentrified right maybe a little you know the there are you know there's uh, maybe some areas that aren't nice but most of what we see is it's you know it's sunny all the time there yes yeah. so we mentioned so much of the action takes place during the day and and outside and uh so again i, I like the visuals of of the train scene uh, Superman and, and Metallo's uh, fights are great. Um, and then the final scene on the boat, uh, some of the explosions that you see. Oh, yeah. Um, the actual scene of Metallo ripping off his his fake flesh. It's cool that they chose... I, I don't know if it was an animation decision. They didn't... That would probably have been really difficult to animate that properly. But it's cool that you see the shadow of him ripping it off first before they show the visual in the in the mirror. It's a little bit of a... You know, two face reveal type mm-hmm. type thing where you don't see the. It kind of builds a suspense to the point mm-hmm. where you see him. It's not as not as dramatic at all as the two face reveal in no. the two face episode, but it's cool that you see the shadow of it first, and then then you you're like, what the heck is he doing? And then you see the madness is developed into, oh well, now he's half man, half machine. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. So that I I agree. I think that uh, the final boat scene. Uh, is really really done really well. There's a uh, part where Metallo has Luther up up on the, uh, which I guess is the bow of the ship. I don't know. Whatever sure. the whatever the front. I'm not a shipsman. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a sailor. I don't know what this stuff is. Uh, but the, he's he's got him at the front of the boat and he's trying to feed him the uh, the virus that he was injected with. And uh, Superman lights uh, and you know some gasoline or something on fire that explodes. So there's this explosion, and you see the fire go up behind Metallo. He turns his his face, and you see just his robotic half of his face. And the the fire comes up behind him and creates this cool shadow across him. Really, really cool visual there. Yeah, they basically because uh, Metallo and Superman had been fighting below deck, and they basically right. smashed through. The, the floor slash ceiling of the two floors below them. So yeah, the, the explosion sort of, it doesn't just explode the entire ship at once. This, the fire comes up yeah. first and then, you know, the the whole ship kind of cracks in half at that point. But yeah, again, that's a very nice thing. They didn't have to do that. but mm-hmm. And and maybe that comes into, because the, the character designs are a little simpler and a little easier to keep on model, mm-hmm. you're able to add little flourishes like that. Like Absolutely. seeing rippling effects in the air when when there's fire around Absolutely. or uh we didn't really talk about that on last on a krypton but we were talking about it here and yeah. watch and when you watch the uh the opening of the show you see those clips of you know as, as the ship is flying over and you see the molten yeah all the volcanoes going off and everything just little again little touches that you sort of make up that lost detail that you have by simplifying the character designs you can gain in some of the uh, the accoutrements yeah. of uh, of the rest of the of the visuals and animation. 
Yeah, it's really good. Um, I gave this episode a ten out of ten for visuals, just wow. because I thought it was, I thought it was so great. Um, even the, the last scene, you pointed out the the scene where Corbin is drowning, and you know he's struggling trying to swim, and then they take you underwater, and he's still trying to, you know, he's underwater and sinking further and further underneath. Uh, it was great. Coming See, out yeah, of his mouth. he's yeah. talking. Yeah, he's trying to tr- can't swim, and then the the, the closing scene uh, where you know they. Superman is being threatened by Lex and says, you know, well, you you can't pin this on me. And even if they found Metallo, I think you should be scared of him. And Superman kind of gets a jab back at him and says, well, I, if, I wouldn't be the only one or I'm not the only one who should be concerned about Corbin coming back. And then they, they flash to underneath the water at the, the, the ocean floor, the river floor, whatever. And you just see a figure walking and just his green heart glowing yeah. in the darkness of the, of the water. It's such a great visual. Excellent. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, we talked about how between 8 and 10 in these episodes is, is kind of all the same. Um, so because of that, why the heck not give it a give it a 10 for, on, on my side? I believe that's our, our first Super 10. Super 10. We've got plenty of Bat 10s, but this is our first Super 10. That's right. All right, we're well, yeah, moving on to music. Um, what, uh, as far as music is concerned, um, I thought uh, they built a little bit off of the momentum of last uh, last week's episode or the episode that we covered before in, in cr- creating new uh, themes for, for Villains. Metallo has a very menacing uh, Jaws-like theme, very repetitive over and over and over mm-hmm. again, getting faster, yeah. um, some strings in there. Uh, it's it's good. It's a it's a good theme. Uh, I I didn't notice it as much. They kind of include it at the end, but there wasn't as much music uh, in this episode. Maybe not a need for it either, uh, because a lot of it is dialogue heavy. Uh, some exposition being done. Gave it a six out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I went five out of ten. I like I said, I, the Metallo theme is very good. You still have the the heroic beats when when Superman comes to save Lex at the end. But yeah, overall, it's it's just not really a factor. This episode is so carried by the voice acting and the visuals that, uh, you know, as we mentioned in, in certain Batman episodes as well, there's just certain times that the music isn't needed as much to sort of convey the emotions or the or the feelings uh, of of the episode. So it, yeah, it's just it's a little bit of an afterthought, but uh, I, I do enjoy the Metallo theme. So it's certainly not bad, but uh, but yeah, it's it's not it's not a standout the way it was in, in Little Piece of Home either. Absolutely. All right, let's take us home. Uh, let's talk about voice acting. What'd you give voice acting? I went nine out of ten for voice acting. Nice. Um, it's another Clancy Brown. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned, we're kind of doing a a Lex Kryptonite yep. Metallo theme here, um, and uh, Clancy Brown is is pretty excellent, as we mentioned, being the you know I'm I'm your buddy. I'm helping you here, mm-hmm. um, and then sort of very quickly switching to the more sinister. Uh, traditional villain speak when he's when when corbin is not in earshot when he's just talking to mercy or uh or the doctor or or even just or superman as you mentioned at the end of the episode when he's kind of talking about how you know you you could never pin this on me um he's very good um malcolm mcdowell as as john corbin slash metallo again here um he's very over the top uh, we talked a little bit before we went on the air reminds me a little bit as uh, of um, John Glover's performance as the Riddler in mm-hmm. Batman, uh, you can tell he's an actor who has spent a lot of time on the stage. Yes, he's very uh, you know he's he's not holding back at all. Uh, he is 
you know, he's very so everything is very uh, very dramatic, but it's a very dramatic change. And but he isn't he he doesn't come out of the gates going 100 miles an hour when he's when he's just sitting in the prison eating his food. He's pretty reserved, right? And then, as we mentioned, the sort of slow descent from when he notices he can't feel anything or he can't taste anything, all the way through to by the end when he's trying to make Luthor uh, drink drink the poison or the or the virus, uh, where he's just he's a madman at that yeah. point. He he know he feels nothing but homicidal rage at that point. Um, few few uh, few puns as well in there. Yeah, he's a bit bit pun heavy in his delivery, which, as you know, I'm a pun enthusiast like my grandfather before Absolutely. me. But uh, you know, it's it was a little a little distracting to hear somebody so over the top. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. He puts on a good performance, and I'm I'm curious uh, as we go forward on some of those other Metallo episodes we have coming up because I think there's at least two more. Uh, there's a steel episode, and then there's is the, isn't there one where the there's kids the find the volcano episode, episode as um, well? That's not the steel episode, right? No, that's a separate one. And then there's also uh, everyone's favorite episode of Superman, Superman's pal. Oh god, uh, where uh, Jimmy dates Metallo's girlfriend or something. Oh, um, I've forgotten that one. I blocked that uh, one out of my yeah, brain. yeah. That one was pretty bad, and another one that aired quite regularly <sighs> on Kids WB. Yeah, uh, back in the day, but uh, yeah, there's. So uh, we'll uh, definitely be able to do a part a Metallo part two episode. I like that um, coming up. But yeah, so because of that, I mean, his his voice acting is a little bit over the top. It isn't distracting, uh, but it's a little it's a little cartoonish. I think when you get those you mentioned having classic actors, um, sometimes is good. Sometimes it's it's a little bit of a detriment. He does a good performance. It's not a bad performance. It's just he's more accustomed to theater work and places where you have to be a little more over the top uh, than that. So for that reason, I gave it a 7, seven out of 10. Uh, it's good. It's not bad. Um, it's just I think that there's room for, for growth in it. Um, now, I did I just did just add a bonus point onto this. So your your total for the episode looks like it'll be a thirty one out of forty. Our highest, my highest rated Superman so far. That's right. Um, Superman's Superman's tracking pretty well as far as the average score goes. I think he's going to be at least at least at the start here. He's uh, he's averaging a a better score than Batman. That's true. Wait till we get to some of these <laughs> other episodes. Uh, we haven't done any Doctor Fate or uh, Leitner Sun episodes. Oh boy. Uh, I did want to add a bonus point, uh, and actually, you pointed this out. I probably wouldn't have noticed it if you hadn't mentioned it. But uh, so, Batman the Animated Series, your character designs all wore the same clothes in every episode. Yeah, uh, with the exception of, of course, the the new Batman uh, Adventures. When that came out, every character got a redesign. But even then, those characters wore the same clothes. Yeah, uh, Batman. Bruce went from a brown and yellow suit from his Batman animated series days to a black with a red tie suit. Right. Uh, Barbara Gordon went from I couldn't. She had like a slightly different mini skirt. Right. Right. So you know, so there was some visual changes there, but pretty much everybody wears the same exact clothes. In this episode, it was cool to see uh, Lois's outfit is the same as her standard purple and purple jacket with white skirt uh, but they changed it up it's a red red and black motif and then Clark who usually has a blue like paisley blue suit or you know a, a sky blue suit maybe uh, with a red tie in this episode he's wearing a gray suit and it's call me call me a nerd that's fine but it's cool to see that these people don't just all wear the same clothes all the time, yeah. like every other cartoon character does in every cartoon. Yeah, I mean, like Dick Grayson wore that same red vest in 
uh, <laughs> that sweater vest in every uh, in every single time we ever saw him out of costume. Do you think those? Co- well, we we did see the one episode of Batman where he opens up his closet and he and just has <laughs> forty of the same jacket. You remember that? Yeah. So it's confirmed that Bruce just loves that outfit so much. It's his signature. I guess, I guess so. You um, think he has his own clothing line? It's like the Bruce Wayne clothing line, and just, just everything's brown and he, yellow. He's just trying to get it over. You know, he's yeah, trying to get yeah. the brown and yellow suit over. Uh, but yeah, it was it was cool to see a different different change up, and that shows the difference between this episode or the, this this uh, streamlined look versus mm. the the standard Batman the animated series. Yeah, look. And again, that's that's maybe something you're able to do is add those little flourishes and extras, as we mentioned, when you when you are able to simplify the the base designs, you're able to make a few decisions like that. But uh, yeah, that's a, that is that is absolutely a nice a nice little touch that uh you know theoretically they work five days a week you wouldn't think they'd wear the exact same outfit to work every single day maybe they would um i smelly, mean <laughs> smelly guys yeah i don't know they also just... could also throw in but i'm not going to but in that in that lex's casual turtleneck that he was wearing yes on his boat was pretty good too yes this blue blazer with uh with white turtleneck uh, such sailor such a lex. sailor lex outfit is great um my final score, by the way, 33 out of 40. Yours, 31 out of 40. That's plus one for me with the bonus point. So we're just just as usual, right right around each other. We were talking about when's the first episode that we're going to actually disagree on. And we have a couple coming up that I think are going yeah, to be fun to, sure. fun to go over. Um, but with that said, uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on these two episodes. How do you rank, rank them? What do you think about these? Are we, are we looking at these through red and blue rose colored glasses mm-hmm. or you know are we are are we kind of spot on with this should we rank things higher uh what are your thoughts on that tweet liam uh, at dcau review on twitter always love to hear from people liam i know yeah absolutely uh love getting to talk about this obviously we like talking about this stuff obviously we were recording a, a f- 49 minute podcast <laughs> about it we must right. like it right so i uh, love to hear feedback on on twitter or our facebook you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash dca review um don't do as much interaction there just because there isn't facebook's facebook no. makes it very hard to uh get your content to reach people yep they make you pay to do that yes. and even then i don't think that that works yeah not not really they still so. have a lot of say in but but if you're a facebooker and you prefer to interact with us this way we'd be happy to talk to you there but yeah definitely go ahead and follow us at, at dca you review on twitter and uh yeah we'll uh, we'll see you soon hopefully absolutely and uh, don't forget of course to subscribe to us on itunes uh, search the itunes store for dcau review give us a five-star review too please and thank you it means a lot it helps our podcast out immensely so uh with that i'm cal and i'm liam and we will talk to you guys on the next episode bye bye <laughs>